Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Mark Magnuson. Hello and welcome into Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Mark Magnuson. In today's episode, Riley Smith will visit with Iowa 2nd District Congresswoman Ashley Hinson, and Dustin Huffman speaks with Jody Stewart, an agriculture program specialist with the United States Department of Agriculture, and we will also be joined by Russ Parker for his faith-based segment. Let's turn our attention now to this week's news headlines. States seeking year-round E15 may request an emergency waiver for the 2023 summer driving season. The Environmental Protection Agency announced a proposal this week to allow a year-round E15 in states that requested the waiver. However, the proposal delays implementation of the rule until 2024. Poet Energy spokesperson Joshua Shields says the proposal left unresolved concerns about access to the renewable fuel blend in 2023. Shields adds, quote, the lack of near-term certainty underscores the urgent need to ensure E15 sales are not interrupted. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds responded, quote, while long overdue, I am thrilled that the EPA has approved our multi-state bipartisan RVP waiver request that will pave the way for year-round E15 and bring certainty to the industry. However, regarding the delay, Reynolds says, quote, I look forward to requesting another emergency waiver for this year, while at the same time asking the courts to require the administration to grant our request immediately. The 2023 World Pork Expo returns to the Iowa State Fairgrounds in Des Moines from June 7th through the 9th. This marks the 35th anniversary of the annual event, focusing on education, innovation, and networking within the pork industry. National Pork Producers Council Board President Terry Walters says, quote, We're looking forward to celebrating the event's history while continuing to look ahead at the progress the industry continues to make. The event has grown significantly over the last three and a half decades to become the world's largest pork-specific trade show. Last year, more than 10,000 pork producers and ag professionals, representing over 400 companies worldwide, participated. This year's event is expected to draw even more industry insiders to the more than 300,000 square feet of exhibit space. Registration information will soon be available on worldpork.org for those who plan to attend the 2023 World Pork Expo June 7th through the 9th. And farmers are adopting precision technologies at different rates. A USDA report says the largest farms are adopting auto steer guidance technology at significantly higher rates. After sorting farms into five equally sized groups, the agency found that among farmers who were growing corn in 2016, 73% of farms in the largest category adopted guidance at the highest rates. The rates were similar for the largest farms growing other commodities in later years. 82% of the largest winter wheat farms in 2017, 68% of the largest soybean farms in 2018, and 67% of the largest cotton farms in 2019. Adoption rates were smaller among the smallest farms in the country. 10% of the smallest corn farms in 2016, 11% of the smallest soybean farms in 2018, and just 7% of the smallest winter wheat farms in 2017. However, 50% of the smallest cotton farms have adopted the technology. And U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, during his weekly conference call with reporters this week, was asked if he thinks a farm bill can be completed and agreed upon by September of 2023, or whether the deadline will have to be extended. Well, I met with the ranking Republican Senator Bozeman yesterday uh, to discuss this process, and he's very positive speaking for Republicans, that the Democratic chairman of the committee 
wants to move ahead, so I feel very good about the chances of getting a farm bill. Grassley says he would prefer some changes to the Senate schedule in order to get more time to work on the farm bill. If the Senate's only in session two and a half days a week, uh, that uh, that just uh, makes it very difficult to do all the work that the United States senators ought to be doing. Because when I came to the United States Senate uh, decades ago, we started at 10 Monday morning and went until 4 o'clock Friday afternoon. And uh, with five days of sessions, you can accomplish a lot more than you can with two and a half days of session. That was Iowa U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley. That's all the time we have for news headlines this week. Let's turn things over to Russ Parker now for his faith-based food for thought. You're listening to Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, where Iowa Ag Matters. I remember as a kid setting up my first savings account. My mom took me down to the local bank. We filled out a form. First time I knew I had a social security number put my $5 bill on the desk for a deposit, and everything was all set. Whenever I wanted to deposit or take out money, I filled out a deposit or a withdrawal slip, went to the counter where I was greeted by my first name, asked how school or how my summer was going, and the transaction happened. In college, I got my first checking account, and the process was pretty much the same, but now I had the additional task of balancing my account every month which I dutifully did based on a bank statement of activity which I received in the mail and compared it to the carbon copy of the checks I'd written from my checkbook. Then one day, the bank got an ATM machine and I applied for an ATM card. It was a familiar form. It had more what I'd call small print and I got my first PIN number. And after that, everything changed. One day, I got a note from the bank that said my statements would no longer be mailed The next was the checks would be scanned and no longer returned to me, but I could see them online on their website by logging into my account. The dawn of the infamous username and password. And I was told all of this was being done for my quote-unquote security. And I wondered, am I in danger? Well, joking inside, it is a dangerous environment when it comes to topics that involve our financial records. We hear about identity theft, scams trying to get personal information, the dark web, and messages that say things like, thank you for being so willing to share your personal information. And we learn new words like phishing, that's P-H, and smishing. I guess we need all the security we can get when it comes to protecting our identity. And there's another side of our identity that we need to consider and protect too. Not so much who we are, But whose we are, who do we identify with, and where do we find our identity? May I suggest that you will not find the answers to these questions in a username, a password, a PIN number, or a six-digit security code. 1 John 3.1 is a time-tested verse that absolutely will ensure our identity and define us as whose we are. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we shall be called children of God, and that is what we are. Food for Thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day. Thanks, Russ. Up next, Riley Smith visits with Iowa 2nd District Congresswoman Ashley Hinson. That's next here on Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.
It's March, and that means the start of the 2023 planting season will soon be upon us. As the weather warms up, many Iowa producers will be jumping at the chance to get in the field as soon as possible. In your excitement, take some time to remember a few safety tips. Make certain that your equipment's safety features are all functioning properly. Make sure you get enough rest. Be aware of your surroundings and don't try and outwork your conditions. Follow these safety tips and you'll have a successful and healthy start to your 2023 planting season. This message from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio. Network. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's Riley Smith. Recently had the chance to catch up with Iowa 2nd District Congresswoman Ashley Henson on some of the things that are going on in her office right now. Uh, she and Representative Mary Knight Miller-Meeks have swapped district numbers. Uh, not much is different there, but they do have different numbered districts, and they've been uh, working on those new areas as well. I talked with Henson about her latest work in Congress to support Iowa agriculture, including the letter she sent to the EPA to allow year-round E15, uh, what she's hearing from district ag stakeholders and what they'd like to see in the 2023 Farm Bill, as well as her legislative work to block the China Communist Party from purchasing American farmland. Well, we are here today with uh, Iowa Congresswoman Ashley Henson just to catch up a little bit. It's been a while since we've had a chat. So first off, Congresswoman, uh, just tell us a little bit about the latest work you're doing in Congress for Iowa agriculture. Yeah, well, we have been very, very busy in this 118th Congress. And um, first of all, let me say it's always a pleasure to work with you, um, Riley, and, and to talk with you, because I know you have such a great network of people to, to talk about these very important issues playing out in Congress. Um, we've been doing everything we can to stand up for Iowa agriculture already this Congress, uh, specifically when it comes to E15 um, and pushing back against the EPA, which seems to be a fight that uh, we, we have to fight uh, ongoing through, through every Congress. But um, it really seems that the EPA has been dragging its feet when it comes to ethanol. Um, I've been talking a lot about, and we've had this discussion before, about how ethanol fits into an all-of-the-above energy strategy. And so that's why we have uh, written a letter. Um, I, I co-wrote the letter with Senator Ernst and many other members urging the EPA to, to look at Governor Reynolds' request um, to make E15 permanently available. Um, the way I see this, again, this is about consumer choice. Um, this is about supporting Iowa agriculture. And when you look at the potential impact um, I wrote this number down. It's $20.6 billion in annual fuel cost savings for consumers. That is a huge amount of money. And especially when you continue to see um, inflation where it is right now, we need to be doing everything we can to drive down those fuel costs. And um, this, the way I see it, this is a, a prime example of a place where we could do that. Right. And that all of the above strategy is kind of the, the key word for it, because it's not like we're asking to shift the whole fleet over to a different energy source. We just know that this could be a supplement that would help out with that. And I know that you know, we weren't expecting to hear from it in the State of the Union address, but it was a little disappointing at the same time to not hear anything on ethanol or energy strategies like that uh, from the Biden administration. Yeah. I mean, it was completely silent on agriculture. And I think that that's really a miss for the Biden administration, especially when you look at the situation around the world. We have such an opportunity with agriculture uh, for trade and for finding new markets. And, and that, I think, is a great opportunity for us to also focus on national security. Food security is national security. Fuel security is national security. And so that's where I think um, this conversation was definitely missing from the State of the Union address. And um, I was critical of the president for that, and I'm hopeful that they will come to the table. And again, the EPA will will listen up and get their uh, rear in gear to, to get moving on E15 policy. 
Right. And then what would that policy look like kind of specifically from a legislative standpoint on a year round E15? Because I know last year we just um, ended that summertime moratorium. Uh, what would it look like? You know, would it just be a bill that says, hey, it's year round now? What specifically would it be? Yeah, and I think it could be that simple. And we have legislation that we're already looking at reintroducing this Congress um, to, to do exactly that. Uh, what it comes down to is, um, again, this letter, I think, is the first step, continuing to put that pressure on the EPA. Um, we will absolutely follow up with legislation if we need to, um, not only for E15, but to push back against uh, policies that we see as being destructive toward the ethanol industry. All right. And then we know that you're uh, very active in your district as well, obviously taking a lot of tours through your counties. What have you been hearing recently on uh, things that uh, people from your district want to see in that uh, new farm bill this year? Yeah. Well, uh, just last week, I actually had a roundtable with um, some folks in Butler County with the Butler County Farm Bureau, visited um, the Bolin Dairy Farm there, um, also held a roundtable uh, with women in agriculture um, in Manchester, because I think what this is about, um, hearing about from folks in my district when it comes to the Farm Bill, um, we need to make sure Iowans' voices are heard. Um, so this is going to be a really long process, and we need to make sure that the Farm Bill does address the true needs of our Iowa uh, producers and our manufacturers in the agriculture industry. So, so that's what I've been doing out in the district is hearing from folks about their priorities. Um, definitely crop insurance is something that comes up at every single stop just for that long-term certainty, um, pre preserving the programs that farmers know and trust and making sure those um, don't um, see reductions um, in access to those programs. And then also focused on, again, trade, uh, a lot of conversations focusing on trying to find new markets for, for products uh, going forward. So that's kind of what I've been hearing out on the road, but I'm going to continue to do that. Um, I now have 22 counties in my new district. So um, as you can imagine, going to be hearing from a lot of folks in the next couple months leading up to the, the farm bill, making it to the floor. And then what would be the best way, you know, for those people in your district to kind of get a hold of you or, or just to talk about those things? I mean, are, are those roundtables kind of the best situation? Do you have more of those coming up? You know, what, what should they expect to do? Absolutely. I would suggest anyone who wants to engage with our team, um, reach out. Uh, our website is pretty simple, hinson.house.gov. You can reach out directly through that. Or if you have a local farm bureau that you want to connect to us through, um, I think everybody has our phone number and knows how to reach us at this point. It seems that way anyway. So um, make sure you're just connecting with us. Uh, we, we want that individual producer feedback as well about what is working for you. And I think what's important too about this conversation is um, the more stories I have and I can be armed with about something that's working well, let's say you have had a, a need to use crop insurance. How did that work for you? And why did that help save your operation or make it so that you could come back and continue to farm? Those stories are helpful for me as I'm coming to the table uh, with uh, GT Thompson, who is doing a great job in chairing our ag committee um, and, and going to be moving that farm bill forward. So uh, just visit our website. Um, and we're going to be, again, out in the dis district a lot um, over the next couple of months, getting that feedback directly from people. All right. And then one last thing is, you know, uh, China's been kind of a big topic recently of just things that are going on. And of course, we still have the issue of the Chinese Communist Party uh, purchasing American farmland, which, you know, always feels like just such a, a weird situation to have. You, you want that farmland to stay with the American farmer. Uh, what are some of the things that you've been working on to kind of block that and keep it in the hands of U.S. farmers? Yeah, well, the way I see it, we should not allow another acre to go into the hands of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, I'm actually serving on the select committee on strategic competition with the Chinese Communist Party. I know that's pretty wordy, so we just call it the select committee on China. But our goal is to come up with policies to push back on the CCP's aggression, 
um, they are a threat to us. And in Iowa, we have some laws on the books already that will help protect our farmland from the CCP. But it is critical that we uh, continue to expand on these efforts at the federal level. We need to stop the CCP from exerting control over our food supply. Um, as I mentioned, food security is national security. And then um, obviously a huge concern there, do they have access to any sensitive military sites in the US? If they're buying up farmland by those sites, um, obviously under the guise of agriculture, but using it for espionage, that's a huge concern. Um, so I'm a co-sponsor of the Farm Act, which would also allow for our agriculture secretary to have more oversight on foreign purchases of land. I think that's really important. And then our committee is going to be continuing to look at how do we follow the money here? Um, because really what it comes down to is how is the Communist Party of China funneling money into these kinds of investments? So we're taking a look at all of those policies over the next couple of weeks. And um, I'm very much so looking forward. Our first hearing is actually on Tuesday night. Um, I think it's six o'clock central time. Right. And we know that, you know, even at the most basic level, this is just one of those common sense things, because, of course, we'd want to keep uh, this farmland in the hands of people who are going to use it properly. Absolutely. And I, I say this all the time, but Iowa farmers are the best stewards of their land. They, they know their land and we want to make sure that that land can continue to produce for generations to come and not be used again to undermine our national security which is what the Chinese Communist Party's intent is in investing in this land. Um, and we have to be clear, too, you know, we, we, we live in a global economy. We cannot completely decouple everything around the world. We want foreign investment in this country because it does create jobs and create more access for Iowans and Americans. But it has to be the right investment. And it certainly can't be from someone who is an adversary, who is blatantly provoking us by sending spy balloons our, across our country or, um, or spying on Americans uh, or stealing our seats, as we've found here in Iowa by the Chinese Communist Party. So it's time we, we stand up to that and we put a stop to the espionage state that they have enacted in our country. And that starts by saying no to any more acres of farmland. Um, we can't allow them to buy that land. All right. And is there uh, anything else going on soon, you know, just in your office or things that you want to kind of flag for our listeners and our viewers to know? Sure. Well, I would say, first of all, I mentioned our website, hinson.house.gov. I do regular town halls through the district. Um, in the, my first term in Congress, I did a, a town hall in every single county that I represent. So I'm working on making my way through the new district, as I mentioned already. So <clears throat> we put all of those upcoming town hall meetings um, in our newsletter. So if you're not subscribed, I would say log on to our website, hinson.house.gov. Uh, click subscribe, and then you'll be <clears throat> up to date on where I'm going to be in the district. All right. Lots of great conversation today, Congresswoman Hinson. Thanks for taking the time to visit with us, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks, Riley. That again was Iowa 2nd District Congresswoman Ashley Hinson. That's it for segment two of this week's show. When we come back, Dustin talks with USDA Agriculture Program Specialist Jody Stewart and wraps up the show. This is Weekend Ag Matters. Hi, my name is Ethan Smith, and I've been a certified crop advisor in Iowa for about six years. The Iowa CCA program is valuable to me because it helps keep me informed on new topics and research around the industry, including soils, insects, diseases, and much more. It's also a great way to network with others around the state and beyond. Iowa is known for its crops, and that's why we're here. To learn more about becoming a certified crop advisor, visit iowacca.org. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's your host, Dustin Hoffman. 
Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Dustin Huffman. The temperatures are turning warmer, and soon we're going to be back into daylight savings time, and the itch to get the dirt turned and the seed planted is starting to affect us all. It's almost time to start that 2023 crop season here in Iowa. However, before you do any of that, you have to do one very important thing. Make sure your crops have the protection they need in case the worst-case scenario happens. Now, Iowa's no stranger to floods, hailstorms, droughts, and even derechos that can wipe a crop out in the blink of an eye. Sometimes replanting is an option, but there are other times when it's just too late. That's why we have crop insurance. And also because it is a necessity to the security of this country, the federal government offers crop insurance safety nets through the USDA. The sign-up period has been going on for some time now, but the deadline is just a few short days away on March 15th. Jody Stewart is an agriculture program specialist with the United States Department of Agriculture. She talked to us about what options farmers have when deciding between the agricultural risk coverage or the price loss coverage programs. They're authorized under the 2014 and 2018 farm bills. We talked about the things that farmers need to consider with this election and enrollment process. We're talking right now with Agriculture Program Specialist Jody Stewart of USDA here in Iowa. Jody, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us today. Yeah, thank you. So we've got ARC PLC sign-up deadline coming up March 15th. Uh, tell us, first of all, what producers need to be aware of when it comes to the ARC and PLC selection process for this year. Sure. So uh, 2023 ARC PLC election enrollment, that started on October 17th of 2022, and it runs through March 15th. That is our deadline this year, March 15th of 2023. Uh, Producers have the option to change or revise the election on the base crop or farm, depending on the election type. Um, The election change, revision, and enrollment is all completed on the same contract, uh, same as previous years. Uh, If producers like the current election for the base crops and farm that they have already, uh, those elections will remain for 2023. However, enrollment has to be completed by March 15th. So we have to have an election and enrollment both completed by March 15th. Um, One thing to keep in mind, any producers that are thinking about taking out a supplemental coverage option, which is uh, the SCO option for crop insurance, Um, They're reminded that PLC is the only election that should be requested for those crops. Uh, ARC County and ARC IC is not allowed if SEO is obtained in order for that SEO coverage to attach to their policy. Okay. And what other differences are there now for people who are looking at ARC and PLC? Maybe kind of give us that general overview of those differences. Sure. So there's actually no real changes this year Um, with the 18 farm bill. um, Everything was kind of still set in stone, uh, does not change year to year. Uh, PLC, ARC County, and ARC IC, they all work the same as years past. Uh, The only change that really occurs between the years is the years and the numbers that we use to calculate those payments. Um, Otherwise, the programs are still pretty much all the same and they work the same. Okay, and so now farmers obviously have to make that selection by March 15th. Tell us what they need to do and maybe just reiterate again what they need to do even if they are going to keep things the way they had them last year. Sure, so they need to stop into their office. Um, Over the last couple of years, COVID has really impacted the availability of accessing Iowa FSA offices. Um, With that, we have a number of current options in order for producers to complete their 2023 election enrollment. Uh, The contracts can be emailed through an encryption process and signatures submitted electronically. 
So producers would not be required to physically uh, go to the office. Um, they also have the option to have those contracts mailed to them. Um, they'd have to call the office and let the staff know uh, what election that they want um, or enrollment, and then those contracts could be mailed out. And then they also have the option to contact the office and provide uh, which producers have a share of base acres on the applicable farms, and then they can make an appointment to complete the signature process if they want to visit the office in person. Uh, to complete your election changes and enrollment, it's recommended to call or email your local FSA office to discuss the option that best suits your needs. Uh, lastly, as a reminder, the deadline for completing the 2023 ARC POC election enrollment process is March 15th. Uh, zero share cash rent landowners are not required to sign for an election revision or enrollment. It'd just be the producers themselves. All right. Uh, anything else that the Iowa farmers need to know about this? Uh, I mean, we've got less than two weeks to go. No, uh, just to get into the office before March 15th to get that process completed. All right. Well, Jody, we thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us today. Perfect. Thank you. That again was Jody Stewart. She is an agriculture program specialist with the United States Department of Agriculture. If you need to find out more about the ARC and PLC programs or get more information on where you can get signed up, we have a link through our website at iowaagnet.com. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Don't forget to find all our content online at iowaagnet.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, and on our YouTube channel. Don't forget that while you're there, you can subscribe and get notified when we put up every day's episode of Ag Matters PM. We also offer free twice-daily market podcasts that you can get through Google, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, and Podbean. Don't forget to sign up for our e-newsletter that comes out every day at 5 p.m. Monday through Friday and has all our top stories and market recaps throughout the day. From the IARN studios in Des Moines, I'm Dustin Huffman for Mark Magnuson, Russ Parker, and Riley Smith. We thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next week from Orlando for Weekend Ag Matters.